0: When it comes to hiring, don't go searching for the one. Just meet your match with Indeed. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. In the minute I'm talking to you, 23 hires were made on Indeed Worldwide, according to Indeed data. Get unparalleled access to job seekers with over 350 million monthly unique visitors globally, according to Indeed data, and an extended reach through Glassdoor. Listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com HackItOut. Just go to Indeed.com slash Hack It Out right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash Hack It Out. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed.
1: All right, Hack It Out, go podcast time and we're talking what makes a great putter what do you need to be what do you need to do what makes you putt better or you become a great putter can you even become a great putter or are you just born with the golden touch Lou and Greg is always joining us. Welcome um, to a putting edition of the Hack It Out Golf Podcast. Um, we had the Open a few weeks ago now, but people still talk about Cam Smith's putting, and we will talk a little bit about it. He's um, definitely uh, shook the world up when he won that Open back a few weeks ago with his putter. Um, what makes a great putter? Should we just let's ask the big question? I've got I've got two big questions. What is it all about? We can do that one in another pod if you want. Like, why are we all here? And the other great big question is what makes a great putter? Greg, you're a great putter. How do you do yes. it? Yeah. How, do you, how uh, are you doing that?
2: Right, right. It's born with it, Mark. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so I would say the, the running theme will be consistency. And when, when I say that, like, it sounds just generic and easy, but essentially it's consistency of path knowing what's going to happen with the path of the putter, it's consistency of face control, knowing when, where you strike it and where you're going to start the ball, and it's consistency of tempo, right? So the ability to return the putter back to impact at a consistent speed and control distance, right? So I actually don't – when I'm teaching people, there's been plenty of great putters who actually don't move in the path side of things, don't move the putter particularly well. They might slice across a little bit or, you know, hook – but they actually do it the same every single time. Yeah. That's consistency. That's what I'm talking about. I don't care if you pull it an inch. If you pull it an inch every time you know and you name. do it, you're good to go. Yeah. Uh, so you've been plenty of guys, I think, or a few guys in their careers who tried to fix and make their stroke pretty. It's, it's not dissimilar in some ways to the full swing. It's about effectiveness, not, to me, not, yeah. hey, what looks the best?
1: Yeah, you know, it's matchups. At the end of the day, it's pure matchups. Right. I saw a great, I think, tweet. From the ping guys this week or a couple of weeks ago talking about too many coaches and and students when they go for lessons with putters, they're trying to zero out their path. They think zeroing out is the idea. Well, it's not if the face cannot in any way relate to that. It's got to be balanced out like a full swing, like you say. It's just gotta match up. Um Lou, I know you're a good putter. I think would you call yourself a good putter? I know you think about putting a lot. Putting is one of your better stats. You post your
0: stats sometimes and you do gain on putting, don't you, against your peer group? Uh, I do. Uh, I've always been a decent putter, certainly nowhere near Greg's level. I and mean, Greg is legitimately one of the best putters ever to play the game of golf. Um, third in the shot link era. And I would say the shot link era is probably likely better than any other era in golf. So he's legitimately one of the best ever. So nowhere near him, but certainly good enough. Um, and um, I think Greg... Uh, hit the nail on the head, at least in my opinion. I, I'm curious how technology has changed. So, I think in the video, you know, we we talked about this a few weeks ago with when we had my coach Jason on, um, and we talked about how, like Mark, you as an instructor, when launch monitors became available, you just completely abandoned video overnight. And we have technology now for putters that helps us see kind of the same thing. You know, if you're if you're delivering the face to the putter in a way that is consistent and you're hitting start lines and you're consistent with speed, what it looks like is somewhat, it it is secondary, right? It, 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 I mean, Greg has a beautiful looking putting stroke, but there's some guys that putt really well that, you know, maybe have some things to their stroke that you might not teach. Um, uh, I don't know if that's completely fair to say, because all the top putters I'm looking at them now, they all, they all have some pretty nice strokes, um, what do you think about that, Greg? I'm, I'm curious how technology has maybe helped you individually, and then how you teach putting.
2: Yeah, so most of my teaching obviously is done online. Um, but let me. The first bit would be I have used Sam Putt Lab and Quintic, and more just to test putters. To if I'm going to change putters, I've apparently used the same Bobby Grace putter for about 20 years now. And the same balance and all that kind of stuff. And it does feel wonderful to me. Uh, but occasionally I'll be like, hey, let's try find something else and see just in case I want to try it. Nothing test is good. Uh, and so that's why I test it. I take it in and I see how the ball performance and I see how my stroke moves and functions and blah, blah, blah. Um, and I use technology to make sure I'm on the track I want to be on with my path and, and see where I'm at. And so I have some baseline stuff I can go back to should I get off um, I haven't used it a lot, I got to be honest. Um, I go to some stock drills and I go to um, can I start it online where I want to start it between two little T's and, and a gate. It's, it's a little more difficult in the teaching world because I don't have a student. So, a lot of my students, if you use me online, it, I'm looking at big muscle stuff um, and I have to communicate really well because I don't have access to that technology online. Um, it is one of the shortfalls of teaching online, I fully admit. Um, and, and that's why I price it cheaper. (laughs) So I can, yeah, so I can give you some information that will help you, but uh, essentially if you want to get down to the nitty gritty, particularly as you get better and better at the game, you know, a lot of my students are off. Um, honestly, if you're off a a high handicap, um, sometimes with Quintic and things like that, it, it might be a little too much because we've got some big issues that we need to sort out in terms of how you control the putter and setup and things like that. But as you get better and better, definitely a massive advantage you can get in front of someone who has some technology.
1: The the thing with tech, Lou, for me, certainly with putting with anything, all it does, more than anything else, it allows you to quantify what they think they are doing with some data. It allows you to quantify the sentences you use. So I want you to do X, and then you can measure if the movement has changed. If the movement has changed, you could then capture a batch of putts over a series of times saying, let's see if you're a better putter, with this delivery so it it, rather than guessing what the delivery is like what technology is great at doing is it allows you to really quantify their feelings when they say i feel like i'm doing x y or z and it also allows the coach to quantify their worth really you know i want you to swing on this path and deliver this face i want you to deliver this loft um, and then you can go away and test that and come back and see if the results change so it's Again, yeah, one it, of the ways—it's like an X-ray. It's just a way of peering inside, really, and then it's still up to the doctor to, to
0: diagnose. Sure, one of the ways that I use tech with my putting—I have a Capto. Um, yeah. If you've ever used those before, um, and it's—it's it's just like Sam, Sam Put Lab, and you attach it, and it gives you a significant amount of info. And what I, I use it for a lot of different things, but one thing I, I do in particular is when I'm when I'm putting really well, I make sure to try and get on and capture some putts and I, and I make sure that I, I I've marked those putts and I, and I set them aside to say, you yeah, know, I'm putting really well. And this is what everything looks like. This is what, I, where everything is. Uh, and, and when things start to go a little South, um, I I'll jump back on and I'll, and I'll compare myself to when I was putting really well. And that's a very, you know, Some might say that's a very analytical approach, um, but I've found that that helps me because I, I start to, I think, drift away from certain fundamentals and my posture will start to change a bit and it changes lots of different things. And and um, so I, that, at least for me, has helped out quite a bit.
1: Yeah, it's that quantification again, isn't it? You know, you change your posture and you measure to see if it makes a difference. And that that's how coaching is, you know, has moved with the power of tech. Um, I mean, what makes a great putter? If we reference Cam Smith's round at St Andrews final day um, back in the 150th Open, I mean, if we start with pace control, obviously we all agree pace control is a is a massive skill, one that you definitely see as you go up through lesser skill putters and often through um, handicap ranges, but certainly through lesser skill putters because you can get lesser skill putters at every handicap range as well because you could have a different part of your game that's struggling. Um, you definitely see pace control as a, you know, I see it as a big concern. You've seen it in proams, uh, Greg, I'm sure. I've played in so many proams where, you know, they're hitting it pretty hard at the start because the course, they've prepared it for this proam, So the greens are fast and you get on about the third or fourth green and you say, John, just let's just ease off this next one a little bit. You've been like 15 foot past on the last 15 foot putts. Um, and then John hits it five foot. And you think, hmm, John hasn't got much Mm. pace control because Mm. hitting it a little softer doesn't mean going from 30 foot to 5
2: foot. (laughs) Before history is
0: written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. Yeah.
1: That would be classed yeah. as a lot softer. Um, so pace mm. control, and that's something we saw from Cam at the Open, wasn't it? His pace control was ridiculous. I mean, that putt on 18, I reckon you put, I don't know, 20 balls down there, he's getting maybe two to as close as he got i mean that was a like ridiculous from the distance pace control yeah, is a key up, scale isn't it
2: yeah he's coming up the valley of sin i think 14 and 18 with two for me he had about 60 feet on 14 as well he hit him and 18 both you know up some massive little mounds and heels and whatnot and I, uh, to kick in like just kicked him yeah, in after yeah. that like it was really brilliant with no practice stroke uh which is an interesting little wrinkle um Really, quite a um, pace control to me, Mark and Lou is, is it's a. I've noticed I lose it the less I do it. Right, so it is there is a, some effort required here to actually putting some some genuine practice into pace control. If you only hit two parts before you run to the first tee, it's just don't expect to have great pace control. It's it's not going to just fall off a tree for you. Um, I spend uh, two to three you know, a day or two, like just hitting an hour's putts to make sure I've got some drills in to, okay, I feel good about my speed control. Um, I just put a little love into it, um, but it's definitely something, hey, you consistently move the putt out of the, the speed that you come into the ball um, or through length of stroke, the varying ways that you can, you know, generate speed and, and, and uh, get that ball rolling how you want. It's definitely something you just got to put some love into in my mind. Yeah. I think yeah, for I... Every... Sorry, Lou, go on.
0: Yeah, I, I think that pace control becomes um, more important the worse you are as a player. So the higher your your handicap, the more important pace control is. Yeah. At, at your level, Greg, pace control, and this is one of the probably the more interesting and surprising things that that I've looked at in the in the uh, shotlink data is that at your level, even the really bad putters have really good pace control. There's not much difference in speed control between you uh, and somebody ranked 150th in putting. It's really, really close. And PGA Tour pros, my guess is if you've got all of them on sand putt lab or putting between trees, my guess is that most PGA Tour pros are hitting their start line a big chunk of the time when they're putting. Um, and so what's, what's the thing that's missing in that equation? And that's green reading. And in, in my opinion, at least what the data says to me, and, and I, cause I've certainly never been at your level or put it at your level, but what the data says to me is that the better you get, and when you get up to elite PGA tour level, green reading for the most part becomes extremely, extremely important because you're good at pace control and you're probably good at hitting start lines. Um, and, and green reading at your level is critical. Um, and then as you get worse, um, pace control becomes more important. And we had Sasha McKenzie on here a while ago, and he has this great video on putting. If you've never seen it, Greg, it's definitely worth an hour of your time. It was back in 2015. Uh, and he did uh, a, a, an hour long presentation at the Met section up in New York on putting. And it was about most of it was around heads up putting, but there was data throughout. And, you know, path for most people Um, Their path is consistent enough and not crazy enough that that generally doesn't cause too many problems. Face control is generally okay for most people. Um, It's pace that starts to be a real, a real problem for people. Um, And then the other part that you have to take into account. And I think this is why there's, there can be so much variability in putting. Um, I forget the exact number, but Sasha has measured this in great detail the imperfections on the green, and I think it was from ten feet, twenty um, percent of putts are going to miss just from the randomness of the imperfections in the green. Even if they're rolled perfectly, exactly where they need to be, they're going to hit little bumps and small imperfections in the green, and it's going to throw them enough offline where that they they miss the hole. So that is that's always a, a factor to consider. So. Um, yeah, for you, Mark. I like it. Yeah.
1: Well, AMs. <laughs> I mean, the thing with AMs that I notice when it comes to pace control um, is someone like Greg is generally, as I understand it, is playing on the same stimp greens week in week out. You have a certain regulation eleven for the to the twelve. Greens. Yep. And I always think that's really weird on the PJ tour. Mm-hmm. And ma- maybe, uh, and, and maybe I'm, you know, I just like to see the world burn. Maybe, but I always think, why don't we get them playing on some eights and some twelves like that? given variation because. What the amateurs do, when I used to play amateur golf at a decent level um, and you would play with people who played at decent levels, but they had full-time jobs. So they were like really, you know, I was a full-time amateur, but they were playing in like the, you know, whatever it was, the English amateur or the Devon amateur or whatever it was. And they were, you know, decent golfer, but they would get on a tournament course prepared for this big event and the greens were fast they were clueless because they just literally hadn't played on greens that quick before. And that's what you notice with amateurs. I certainly right. notice it is if you put them on something that they're not used to, they it really froze them. So and I used to say to so many students, just getting on a variation of speed greens and doing some practice and go in and play a practice round before you're going to go and play in a tournament if you can, or go and experience some different pace of greens, because it is something that you can recall. So as in, you know, where I go and film now, the greens are probably like a seven on the stim meter. It's a club course. They're not going to make them quick. They're quite slopey that puts some speed in them, but they're not going to make them quick. Um, but if I go and play at Saunton in North Devon to me, which is an open standard Lynx golf course, um, they're going to be super, super quick. And if the wind blows and be quick, I can adapt relatively quick because I've played on those greens before where I notice with amateurs when it comes to price control, often they're falling down because they're just... Their experiences outside of what they're used to are so limited. As soon as you throw that curveball at them, they've got no way of well, they're adapting as they play, and that just doesn't work, does it? You can't you haven't got time no. to adapt as you play. Um, so we've got pace control. Obviously start direction's important. You've got to be able to start the ball online. So that's gonna be a predominantly face control for people um what's your best face control drill that you'd give to a student greg or anything that you use to try and make sure you're starting the ball online i've seen people you know make the hole smaller and stuff like that what yeah i've got a
2: couple of uh, I, I got a couple of training aids i like to use that you can attach the control face just to give i show students uh, that they attach to the face and it moves on a plane board and you can get that feeling of how much you want to open or close the face during impact while you're hitting a putt I usually take that to any clinics I'm doing and people go, oh, wow, I had no idea that, that was, you know, rotating you know, this fat, massive face rotation or vice versa none at all, um, usually through hand manipulation for a lot of them. Uh, you know, basically to me, if you can get that thing started through a little tiny gate, a lot of people aren't even ready for that that I've noticed. They, they've, they're quite uh, inconsistent in how, they've, uh, how they're delivering it. Uh, yeah. Some could be down there, how they're holding it, Mark. You know, like there's a lot of people who aren't, I, I, I've even just showed simple, you know, single overlap grips to people. And they're like, oh, I had no idea. It, it, people like have played for like,
1: years, isn't it? You yeah, think, oh my God. Like like, I, I,
2: a, a, a proper, yeah. How can you it's not know?
1: Yeah, I agree. I agree with that. Yeah,
2: just little, little, let's goof around a little bit. See if we get the hands closer together. See them working as one unit. See if you like that feeling Yeah, and see if a club performs well or better um and so we set up a few things and see if we can get the ball started online um it's certainly something that face control would be interesting much more interesting for students if you get them on some some technology um, yeah, and you yeah. can start to start to learn how much you actually rotate the face yeah. um, because a lot of them don't know it until i see it other than that i do have a camera i use where i take side on view and i like face on and i i slow it down and show them yeah Uh, that's another option
1: and that's another good thing with tech earlier lou that you were saying if you, you start even playing with putter shapes for people massive lines no lines you know big stretch back heads to classic bladed more style putters you do see some different rotations from people you see some different deliveries you see some different abilities to aim i don't see many patterns as much as the manufacturers try to put all those putters in brackets to sell them. You know, like if you if you move the putter this way, you're this bracket of putter. I, when I've tested, I don't see those patterns so much, but um, you, you definitely do see some patterns with individuals who just can aim a certain style of putter up. That might be a neck change. It might be a head change. It might be having big lines. Some people taking lines away. I'm someone who often tries to take lines off putters. I don't like things making me think I'm a, i may I like to see the front of the face and I, that's what I'm aiming with that front line of the face. Um, so just changing your equipment as well can be quantified with a little bit of tech to hopefully find that like zero zero point one 0.1 game that someone needs. Um, what about yourself, Lou? What do you do to try and start the ball online? You got any little drills you do in the office and stuff to keep you toned in for those Texas scrambles, you know?
0: I I do. So I, I've always been um I've always tried to set up so that my putter face is pointing exactly where I where, where my start line is. And I it always um I play a lot of team events and I get to stand behind my partner and, and really take a look and see what's going on. And it always surprises me such and an the, advantage. So, it's yeah. A, yeah. <laughs> yeah, It always surprises me to see how some people, you, when you say, okay, it, it's it's on the right edge of the hole and you stand behind them and they line up and their putter is pointing six inches to the right of that. And I look at that and I'm like, what are you, like, what are you doing? And then they cut across it or manipulate in some way. So they're starting it sort of near where they want, but, but they're not set up anywhere near that. So I've worked very hard on that through the years. And I had built this thing a while ago where I had a board and I had a laser that, that would go through the board and I put a mirror on the front of my putter face and I would set up about 10 feet away and I had a foot pedal. Um, so there was a laser that went through a board. The board was vertical. Uh, I would set up 10 feet away and I had a foot pedal right next to me. And when I, I would step in and I would line up, I had a little dot where I wanted the ball to be. And I would line up, and I would get square to this hole, and then I would kind of reach over with my foot, and I tap the foot pedal, and the laser would hit the mirror, and it would shine back on that vertical board, and I could see exactly where it was. <laughs> and I would just do that over and over and over again. Yes, this I was single, is, I was single this at the is time. Such a sad <laughs> thing to
1: do. <laughs> Yes, I he was and then off I... then, wasn't he? And I got oh, this board I... and this yeah. twirly thing, and then the light yeah. shined, and then and then it yeah. went bang. and I drew a blue thing with circles, no. and then these
0: people came round, and I showed them, and we clapped. We all clapped. <laughs> Listen, <laughs> the, the, be, the best thing about that is I'm describing this Frankenstein contraption to literally one of the best putters that's ever lived, and the look on his on Greg's face is just priceless. Yeah. <laughs>
1: I was more imagining
0: your wife just coming in and
1: behind you there, Lou, just yeah. literally like nodding, going, "He did do that. He's loopy." Yeah. Like yeah. doing the old, uh, "I live with him, and he does these things." But yeah, on a
0: serious question on that topic: you, so you both, Greg teaches putting specifically now. Mark, I know you've taught putting in the past when you work with people. When you have a student that comes up and you want them to start it at the right edge of the hole. And they line up and and they're doing a relatively decent job starting it online, but they line up five inches right or five inches left of what the target is. And they just, they manipulate everything to start it where they want. Do you, how do you approach that? Do you try to change that?
2: Uh, Me personally, I've, my experience so far in the short time I've been coaching, and Mark's been doing a lot longer than me, so he probably has some better ideas. But if I can... If I can get a student in a just a normal environment just to hit it on a straight putt and they can start it online and they like where that's looking and aiming, I actually have taken to, okay, let's go read some putts and I I go around with a mirror with a line on it or some training aid with a line. I say, now aim this where you think you just read that and let's say it's right edge and put your ball down like you're going to hit it. That's definitely aimed in the right spot. Now stand over it and tell me what you feel like. Because I noticed when we didn't do it, you were six inches right of that. And I just kind of want to get an idea of, do you actually like aiming here? Because when we just trained over in the static environment, we were good. Right. So when you're getting in a real environment, you want to aim here for a reason. And it could be now you get back to your old cut across mode or whatever you were doing to hit it on the line. Um, but I, it takes, I've been through that myself as a student. I've sort of, I used to aim left and kind of pull it hair, And now I aim very straight and hit it straight. Um, it just, I, I just wonder sometimes if students actually at, you do it for a reason, right? You're aiming offline for a reason, and you adjust because of that.
1: Yeah, I mean, for me, Lou, if they're hitting target, they're hitting target. Often, if they're there for a lesson, they're obviously not hitting target enough, hence they're there. So it'll be it's my job then to find out sometimes why they're there. Does that make sense? As in, they say they do this, but I set this goal of like you say, aiming at the right of the hole. If that was the goal that you set. And they do it and they hit it. And I think, well, you're doing it. Like, should we get, uh, like Greg, I would change the environment around. I'd come from a different angle. We'd go out on a green. I, I would need to investigate more into why they think they need to be there. And I've had lessons that I've told them, you don't, you're not, do, you're not bad at this. You think you're bad at this. You're not bad at this. Show me another skill. And that could be like, should we hit someone at the driver or do a different, you know, a, a log putting or whatever. And I go, you're bad at this. Like How can you not notice you're bad at this? So sometimes people do get fixated that they think they're bad at something. But if if someone's good at a task, I actually don't care how they do it. I just want, I love watching golfers be good at a task. And I've seen them do it in you know a hundred different ways of doing it from grips the stances to aim at the beginning to rolls of the wrist to feeling that they're pushing it through to you know whatever it is um if they're good at a task i just like watching them be good at a task. but well, that's actually a lie i don't like watching someone be good at a task because i get bored i say to them quite great you're good at this task Shall we find one you're not good at um let's make that one better um so sometimes it's 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 investigating a bit more. It, it, I don't care what it looks like. don't care how they do it, if they get there. Sometimes you might say, should we try this way? And then they try, let's say, a more textbook version of the goal you're trying to set. And then I'd say, do it your way and then try it this other way. And you tell me which one you think you would want to continue with. And you go away now... With those two tools, you've now got two spanners that both do the same job. You choose which one you think does the job the most and, and, and the kind of most reliable because you're the one who has to use the two spanners. that you know, I've given you one extra. You're the one who's going to yeah. have to choose to use it. So it's it's so much about working with that actual person, I think, when it comes to those. Well,
0: I want to give some actual data and then some anecdotes. So one, um, looking at the data in Arcos, the at every skill level, the biggest gap Between the best people, let's say we're we're talking 10 handicap players, the best 10 10 handicap putters versus the worst 10 handicap putters, that has a wider gap than every other category. So putting has the biggest gap between the people that do it the best and people that do it the worst at any given skill level. And this is where the anecdote comes in. Every place that I've played at, um, you show up and you go to the range and there's always there's, the range is full and there's people out there for an hour and a half with four large buckets and, and they blast driver as many times as they can, most likely. And you go over to the putting green and I can't tell you how many times I've been on a putting green and the range is full, 20 people, and I'm the only person on the putting green uh, and I'll spend an hour on the putting green. Why do people, at least from my experience uh, and what I've seen, shy away from spending time on putting? Um, And I think that's the case. And when I look at the data in Arcos that supports it, um, I don't understand why that is because I think there's so much low-hanging fruit there for so many people.
2: Personally, I've always felt, Mark and Lou, that um, people don't like to practice their weaknesses as much as we think they do. Um, If they're not very good at something, they actually don't. They tend not to want to do it, even up into our levels. Um, And so or it's not as sexy. Hitting that drive is a lot of fun, but right. holding that five-footer for par, it's not as sexy. its its It gets the job done. It shoots low scores, which I would buy into if I was playing, you know, amateur golf. I'd be like, hey, shooting that low score was fun. Um, let's hold some five-footers. Uh, so that's been my sort of little snapshot of what happens. You're absolutely right. Like, you, you the range will be full at pro-ams. The putting green's got, like, two dudes on it, and you're like, okay, I bet they're the guys that can putt. Right, yeah. yeah, so yeah, it's definitely something you've you've you really don't deserve to putt well if you're not going to put any love into it. You've got to you've got to put some time into it, and uh, particularly at uh, you know, if you've got a pro-am, and you're playing with someone, you know, someone you it's a big deal, it's a big tournament, a big day for you, or not a pro-am, a tournament. It could be the Wednesday night league playing with Lou.
0: That's um, a big that's big, massive. Stuff. I majors. mean, that's
2: yeah, majors. Yeah. So, right so, I mean, I've never been to a Ryder Cup, but I imagine that's what Wednesday night league is like. <laughs> <laughs> So, <laughs> totally. shout out taylor gooch yeah totally, totally that's
0: great so greg do you still work on do you still work on um just setup do you spend time working on setup and and, and then yeah. overall how much time do you still spend working on putting each week
2: oh nothing like i used to so mm-hmm. now like i just did a session today i'm at a tournament and i did 35 minutes i probably did uh, 15 on um, checking my setup. I tend to get weight on the front foot, and I hit down on the ball a little bit. My hips are sit open. It's, it, it's what it feels like. It's not what happens. Don't go wrong. I don't really hit down the ball, but I get I get I don't. The putter doesn't move how I like to move. It doesn't arc very well. It affects everything when I start to lean towards the the target. So I like to feel really balanced. I usually check it uh, through video. Uh, it takes doesn't take long. I just get my cat to take a video of it to make sure I look like my hips are sitting how I want, nice and square. Um, and then roll a few, and then I did some drills for speed. I did some drills from 5 to 10 feet, about 20 minutes of that. That was 35 minutes. Uh, That's about all my back can handle right now. Used to do two hours. Like, it was nothing for me to do two hours, you know, one day and the next day. Don't have to do that, uh, but that's how I got really, really good at it. Um, But, yeah, so it's just I'm just trying to tick boxes more quickly now. Yeah, sure.
1: I mean, I think what Greg says there as well is quite interesting in relationship to your other question there, Lou, about the range being full and the and the putting green not. Uh, I would I wrote three things down for that idea of that is one exercise, so people like to have exercise. You're not having exercise putting night. You? You're going to hit balls on the range and you're going to be releasing very different feelings in your body which are maybe more enjoyable and frustrating as well. So it's very different. We're putting, you're just not really going to build up much kind of of a sweat. Uh, Lost balls, you can't lose a ball putting, can you? So people don't really realise maybe that it's a problem where they're on the range, they're trying to fix those balls that went over the fence last time they played that really hang in their head. Or those tops, you know, where they hit it 10 yards when they know they can hit it 250, which is super frustrating. And the other one, which Greg's really kind of pinpoint in there for me is they can't see any advantage meaning they go on a putting green they go and spend half an hour an hour on a putting green and they practice whatever they practice often it's not that focused practice and then they get on the course and they'll just miss putts like they always do so they don't because it's mm-hmm. tiny little incremental changes and they're not seeing the change because they may be a not putting enough time in and b maybe not practicing well enough i think if amateurs got smarter at practicing their putting I think they would get sharper when they get out on the course. So if they had some better systems of monitoring what is a good practice session on the putting green to a bad one might allow them to go on to a green with different levels of confidence. And if they went on there trying to practice just pace control rather than trying to hole putts, which can be a bit destructive, you know, as we've said earlier, the amateur golfers pace control generally maybe not that great. Um, getting on a putting green, you don't see many amateurs not aiming at a hole. They're generally kind of like six foot, Mm -hmm. four foot, ten foot away trying to hole putts. I'm not saying you shouldn't be doing that. You should. But I don't see many of them going length and breadth of the green, trying to drop it on the fringe as tight as they can. Games that we all played as juniors. Um, So I think think people don't really know how to practice their putting because they practice it and then they just go to the course and just think, well... I went and hit like 55 footers last night and I've gone and missed the first ones. That was a waste of time. It kind of doesn't work right. like that. You're going right. to still miss. I that.
2: hope I put well today. Yeah,
1: yeah. <laughs> yeah right. it, it is a bit like that, isn't it? So I do yeah. think um, people could be much smarter with their practice um, when it comes to putting to allow them to get more out of, you know, when they get out on the course and what they're doing um because i mean i would guess that lou you, you how often do you practice your putting as an everyday golfer because you
0: you yeah, can putt every in the day. office can you yeah yeah i and p- you do i put yeah. every yeah i putt every day for you know, at least a, on a day where i'm not going to put any real time in I'll, I'll at least find five minutes ten minutes to, yeah. to roll a few putts um and uh, i try to put in 20 minutes every day, yeah. roughly, 20 to 25 every day. Some days longer. Um, it, just, it just depends. But every day I'm, I'm working on something, and, and I've always been that way with putting, and it's easy. You know, putting is something that most people can find space somewhere in their house to yeah. get a, a 10 to 15-foot mat, and there's lots you can do there. Um, I think, to me, one of the most important takeaways is Greg is an extremely elite putter, who's been an extremely elite putter for a long time and he's still working on setup. That's such an important piece. And it's one of the things that I don't think amateurs spend any real time on, especially amateurs that are working on their own and not with an instructor, which is a good chunk of amateurs. Yeah, yeah. Um, they, they, they spend no time on, on their setup and making sure they're in the correct position um, and if you're not doing that, one, you have to know what good setup is and good probably what good setup is for you. But if you're not doing it on a regular basis and not checking it, things can really drift. Um, and you can you can end up in some some strange setup positions um, just as things slowly evolve over time. Um, and you can be, uh, you know, really open to your target and maybe you think you're perfectly square and, and and you just don't know that because you're never, you're never doing anything to to check that. So I think to me, that's an important, an important part that everyone should be working on.
1: Yeah. Well, that's, I mean, I've said it for years online. I say it to students. It's kind of the five minutes every day thing. Just get a putter, get it out of your boot, bring it into your office, bring it into wherever you've got a space where you sit and you can just pick it up five minutes each day. Get a little putting mirror put it down, reference a few lines. I used to practice putting constantly in my bedroom as a kid, up against the skirting board or the door. I would just have a straight line and get my putter moving, you know, in from that door, out to the door, and then back into the door on a relatively even kind of tilt, if you like, away from the door. Um, You know, I, I was not going to the golf course thinking, I haven't touched the putter for two weeks. Like I just, just wasn't doing that. It was no, it was It Why go? Why go? I, it would be crazy. So I think that's another reason as well, Lou, with the putting. You know, I, I personally would say, uh, here's a question then, it, it, kind of yes or no answer, because we'll wrap this one up. Um, you mentioned the putting green at the range. I personally would rather my students go to the range and practice for an hour on, stop it in the ball over the fence and do five minutes a day at home with their putting than go to the range and spend half an hour on the range and half an hour on the putting green. Personally,
0: what what would you want? I'm gonna let Greg go first because I'm curious to hear what he says.
2: Obviously, depends it's, bad, it, it, go it depends on. how bad you are at it, right? Yeah, like just it's about like if, you're, it's if you're wasting, courses, you could, you can burn a lot of shots on the green. Mm-hmm. Like if I, if I ask a student, I say, "Well, like like how many putts do you kind of have in your rounds? What do you average?" And they say anything around forty. I'm like. Okay, well, he we can pick up some shots here, and they they really <laughs> want to break a hundred or break ninety, um, you know. And they they're wasting you know minimum. If you can't uh, at a at a minimum two part the majority is an average. Then uh, you you've lefting some some low hanging fruit there to pick up some shots. So, uh, but I get what you're saying though, Mike. Like uh, for the vast majority, you've only got of an golfers, hour a week.
1: You know, you you're yeah, working. Yeah, you got an hour a week. Saying.
2: Yeah, it, it, you're right, and that's where it's, it's just not quite as sexy to to you know, go and practice that. And you'll get more value out of hitting your, you know, that one ball that didn't go, the bigness, the one that didn't go out of bounds or the one that, you know, you get more value out of that part of it. Well, I and think we can, it, I think it's more. We can get, do the putting at home. I get it. Yeah, yeah. You
1: get more value out of doing the putting frequently than you would. So another way of saying it would be, shall I go and putt for five hours? Well, no, because probably after a certain period of time, you're not really doing anything about giving yourself a backache. So if you've got an hour, well, why don't you concentrate on the bit you know where you are swinging around and you're having fun and going and enjoying it and working on trying to keep the ball in play, but then let's have 30 minutes or half an hour or 40 minutes or an hour at home spread out over the seven days where you do do 10 minutes a day, five minutes a day. It's the little and often I find that really makes people stay sharper rather than doing... Like, you could do that half-hour practice on the putting green at the range on a Monday. You won't play till the following Sunday. You're not retaining any of that, really. Where if you did five minutes each day leading up to that Sunday, you're probably going to be a little bit sharper. Obviously, I'm very aware that everyone learns
2: differently. Stathol's jumping in. (laughs) Stathol.
0: So here's what I'm going to say. So Greg is correct. It depends on you, and, and of, course some, some, <laughs> so, of course he is. Of course he is. Exactly. Um, it does depend on you. It depends on you could be a phenomenal putter. You could be a very weak putter, uh, and and those things are going to require different practice plans depending yeah, on the player. Definitely, definitely. The one thing I will say though about putting out. Doors versus putting indoors is most people that are putting indoors do not have the space to do lag putting indoors. Um, and that is a, an important skill to have. And so practicing a lot of 30 to 40 footers, um, even yeah, for, you know, for, for, for 12 hands. So on the PGA tour, here's a quiz on the PGA tour, um, tour players, they average two putts from about 33 feet. What do you think that is for a 12 handicap? Uh, I don't know.
2: 17
0: feet. 16
2: feet. Boom! Cool. Yeah.
1: Yeah. 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 I was just about to say 16, and he went and gave (laughs) the answer away.
0: And 16, (laughs) which is, if you think about that, that's incredible, right? Yeah, it is amazing. They are three from 16 feet, and it's actually just over two from there. So they are three-putting more from 16 feet than they are making it, Yeah, um, which is incredible. And so that, like, so Greg, when you work on 33-footers, you know, 35-footers, that's lag putt range for you. You just don't want to three-putt. You're not going to make too many of those. You just don't want to three-putt any of those. That same concept applies to a 12 handicap from 15 or 16 feet. Yeah, They're not going to make many of those. We're just, we're trying not to three putt. And most people, it's hard to practice 15, 16, 17 footers in the house. A lot of people have mats that are 10 feet long. Yeah, They're not going to be able to get that speed control in. And so lag putting for you know, I'm going to say the everyday weekend warrior that is in the, you know, the eight to 15 handicap range, which is a lot of people and probably a lot that are listening, you know, for them, they need to work on that. Cause that's, that robs them of a lot of strokes. Cause they have a fair number of putts in that range. Uh, and we just need to, we need to two putt as many of those as we can. And so I'm a proponent of, of, Of getting in your time outdoors on that lag putting for that speed control um if you have the ability to to put a 50 foot mat in your house go to town and and have fun but most of us don't have the ability to do that
1: yeah i think that's a really good point though so definitely spending that bit more time out on that putting green is gonna you know help a lot of people and i guess the other thing with the range question is that if you think i think of uk ranges i think it's a bit different over there but there aren't actually many UK rangers that have putting greens. <laughs> they're generally yeah. just rangers. Yeah. Definitely, um,
2: definitely spoiled in America. Like Australia was like that too, like yeah. some of our practice facilities. We always had a putting green, but, yeah, the, the, the range putting green is
1: generally at the yeah. course, really. And Yeah. The reason yeah. people aren't on that is because they're out playing, free putting. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, they're yeah, too go. busy free putting out there. They can't spend time. I haven't got time to go on this putting green. I've got to go out there and free putt. <laughs> <But> <laughs>
0: Mark, have you noticed? I've asked a number of stat questions in the past, and Greg is always really close with his answers, if not spot on. He might to, be an honorary gift, stat hole. Do you think? I
1: need to go an Aussie-flavoured stat hole button? Do, you do I? You Aussie, do, Aussie, Aussie. <laughs>
2: <laughs> I, it's a gift.
1: Yeah, it absolutely. is a gift. So I've got, <laughs> I've got two more questions to finish, just to wrap this one up. Then two more questions. Um, one is when when Cam Smith was as hot as he was on that bat nine at the Open. Like, he knows he was putting well, and he probably comes off and thinks, well, wow, like, when he, like, digests, like, that was, I was on fire there. Um, but in the heat of that, and you'll know this, Greg, as much as anyone, and to be fair, Lou, I, we all have our moments, and you will as well. When you're in that moment, you kind of feel like you're owed them. Do you not? Do you not just think, well, I'm just going to hold the next one? No, this isn't. this isn't not happening today. I'm just going to keep holding them. Like he, when oh, it, when yeah. it's happening, yeah. you don't maybe think or realise how much of an outlier it is. You kind of think, no, no, this is what I can do. Like this is me showing what I can do. What do you reckon?
2: Oh, there's no question. There's no, like, you, there's no quota on it. You're not sitting there going, oh, I've got a 40 footer. Now I should two putt from here on in, <laughs> you know, like, no, no. You're like, I'm going to make the next one. too. Yeah. you get quite greedy yeah. uh, because you, you feel so good. You're rolling it so good at, it's you know and you're right like uh, even at an amateur level we all have moments where man i had that day where everything just went in right uh, and you, you want to capture it and bottle it um he had that under the most intense pressure um in one of our biggest events and and so to to capture that and do that i'm sure he wishes he could but it's it's certainly um it's got a, a rhythm to it and an energy to it as a player at a really high level where things just just feel right. Yeah, um, it's actually like you've got it's it. Really, really I've, enjoyable. Yes, yes, I figured I cannot, this out. I know How to explain it? Like yeah. it's just such a it's such up, a fun feeling. It's almost like I I can't make yeah. a thing today. Right? That's yeah. probably, you know. it's like so Greg, eye of the I had a storm. I'm curious about that, it?
0: Greg. When when you have your really good putting days versus your really bad putting days, so opposite ends of the spectrum. Uh, take the top ten percent of your putting rounds versus the worst ten percent of your putting rounds are those the, the really bad ones are you missing start lines or are you just not reading it correct or is it a combination uh, it would of be, bad start line and bad speed what what is it
2: it it would be it would be mainly speed control yeah. for me it, um, i i get i don't like how the putter's flowing or root, like the rhythm the tempo to it it feels too too slow on the takeaway i get a little poppy hit to the stroke that i don't really enjoy um it just it's really minute it probably looks the visual it there's nothing wrong um right. it just doesn't feel right it could be because your your hands feel different on the putter for some reason i've and so yeah it's it's uncomfortable um and usually for me in my career it's come down to lack of effort like not time bent over practicing and build i build confidence by effort um and if you can get away with building confidence without that great do that uh but yeah that's um that's my sort of takeaway on it, – it's not it, – I get it. It's not comfortable to not feel good over the putter. We all do it. Um, Sometimes it you just can't vind-
1: see it, can you? It's like it's like Eye of the yep. Storm stuff. Yep. When you're in it, like when Cam's in the middle of that, he's just – everything's crazy around and he's just – when he gets home – And he digests, he'll sit in bed and on the plane and think about the round. He'll be like, whoa, I was holding some putts there. Like, it'll be more realistic, Uh but in it. Yes. And it's the same, I think, when you're struggling. When you're struggling, you look at, you know, what's in front of you and you just think, am I really going to knock this close? Like, you start thinking that. I can't imagine. Mm -hmm. How do I get this one, you know, even close to the hole where if you take his putt on 18, for instance, he's not thinking. There's a part of him thinking... Like, I want to get this close. There's a part of him thinking, this could go. Like I'm doing it today. Like, right. I know I can see where it's got to go, and it goes there, and that's the pace, and then it goes. And, like there's You just can't, from day to day, there's no way of knowing which one of those is going to come out, is there? That's the problem. That's the beauty of it. It's, it's right. You, you, you know, I've, I've played rounds where I think, you know, I know these greens, I've putt well in here, and you come off and just think, oh, God, I just couldn't get the pace today. I, I couldn't see a putt. And then you know, two days later, you just can't miss a part. It's um, it's a storm stuff, Lou. Uh, I know what's coming
0: out on league night. I'll just yeah. Say much. And anyone, oh, anyone
1: do. in the Philly area <laughs> needs to do. watch
0: themselves because I got a I got a different gear for Wednesday nights. <laughs> oh. <laughs> Third gear
2: or gear? <laughs> <Exactly>. <laughs> <laughs> just knocks it
1: up in the second from first. <laughs> it's at a, it's a to
2: 104 club head speed again? Was it 106? 105. I can't remember. It's coming back, baby. It's coming back.
0: <laughs> it's coming back. Here we go. There
1: we go. So more more time on um some longer putts for people, definitely more time practicing their putting. And I would definitely like to see just get your putter out of the boot. There's no point in sitting in the boot. Like your driver can sit in the boot until you go to the range. But your partner can sit next to your office, in your next to your desk, uh, you know, in your living room. You can bring that in, and you can use it more often, even when you're not at the golf course. And when and you, you get can to the build golf yourself course,
0: one of those laser foot pedal things, and you too. can
1: build the laser foot pedal <laughs> system by Lou Stagner, with sound I'm I, telling you. Honestly, it sounds,
0: it's, it sounds wacky, but it's foot, great. When we got
1: to the foot pedal bit, I, I had zoned out. Yeah. I didn't know what yeah. he said
0: after that. <laughs> I lost concentration. <laughs> was, I felt
2: like it, he I was, was waiting for naked flames and running water and all sorts of stuff. Yeah,
1: Tony Stark had painted it red with flames. <laughs> it flew in. <laughs> yeah. Literally, I just was thinking, I think he just said foot pedal and he
2: was still going. <laughs> <laughs> dead serious (laughs)
1: there we go what makes a good putter well practicing a lot by the sounds of it like with most things in golf unfortunately (laughs) you just got to practice it ladies and gents but having some good intent when you practice as well Lou made some great points there with distance putting hope that helps your putting next time you play let us know what your putting is like is it good or is it bad do you ever get in the eye of the storm or are you always stuck on the outside where it's a bit windy and horrible let us know thanks for listening catch you in the next podcast